Hey, y'all. How we doing? You good? Good? Awesome. Hey, uh, man, some of y'all, these portraits are amazing, you guys. I don't know if you've taken a look. There's some good, if you want to just kill an hour, go look up just like weird family photos this evening. Uh, man, it, you'll have a blast. There's some, just the internet's a wild place. We'll leave it at that. But uh, hey, it's, it's good to be with you. Um, man, when I uh, found out I was going to get to kick off this series, uh, I was just excited uh, because as the student pastor, you know, a lot of what I um, get to minister into is families and looking at the next generation. And I believe that God wants to do an incredible thing in the next generation and the generation after that and then the generation after that. And so, man, I'm, I'm just grateful to get to, to share with you about God's heart for family. And, and it's weird because we're entering into the holiday season and, um, Family gets weird around the holidays. I'm sure you're aware of this. Some of you guys, like you've got a really like uh, put together family. You're excited, like Thanksgiving is coming and you're like, it's gonna be awesome. And I know that I know that I know that some of you guys are already like, oh, is Uncle, Uncle Jimmy coming again this year? Hide the booze, y'all, hide the booze. You know what I'm saying? Because like last year, what he told the children was, you know, that wasn't right. And, and, and some of y'all, like we, we are entering into this season where we, sorry if your name's Jimmy. Uh, I just want to say, like, we love you, Jimmy, if you're here. Uh, and we're not judging you. We're just, you know, Jesus wants to change your life. But uh, way beyond, way beyond, that's on the internet forever. Way beyond the short nature of the holiday season. Um, I mean, your, your family has this opportunity to, to be together and be transformed by this relationship with God. And, and I, I just believe, y'all, that God wants to transform your family. And God wants to move your family into a new space. Man, stuff that, that has messed with your family for decades. Like, I, I really believe that God can change that. Like, I really believe that. And so um, it starts with loving the people right in front of you, right? That is how change in the world happens. And, and the way that I did that um, last week, and we'll, we'll pray and we'll get into scripture in a minute, but I wanna just tell you, um, I, I took my four-year-old to the bar, you guys. And uh, yeah, nothing, nobody, not even an elder. Uh, so so I, I, it was an arcade to be specific, but, um, but, I, but I picked him up from school and it was just one of those days, like I, you, you've been in these days, you, way too much work to do in front of you, right? And, and you have to choose which side of the coin you're gonna honor, right? And, and in that moment, like we had way too much going on and I just said, you know what? I need to have a memory with my kid. Then I need to build something special in the today. And so we went and we goofed off and we ate pizza and we played video games for an hour. Best day of his life, right? And, and here's what I want you to see as we, as we get into this and we talk about like what, what I believe are some really significant, ridiculous, covenantal theology, cool stuff going on in the Bible, is, is that it doesn't have to be super complicated. Like it doesn't, you don't have to come up with like a, a 15 page business plan for your family, right? Like you, you get to choose to love the people around you very well. Community, family, the people God puts in front of you. And, and that's my prayer for today is that as we um, enter into God's word, that we would go in with a hope that God would give us the ability to love the people around us differently. That we'd walk out of here, man, just like, like I am on mission to see the next generation changed by God. That's my hope, and, um, and I, I can't do that. Um, songs can't do that. We need God to do that. So can, can we just pause and pray real quick? Would you just bow your heads where you're at?
Lord, tonight as we um, gather around your word and as we um, I just lift you up, Lord, would, would you come in and, and where we have grown um, apathetic and where we have grown maybe even the, the, the opposite side of that, controlling or, or just um, not honoring you in how we live our lives or, or teach our families or um, live out as leaders in our community. God, would you just help us to see that you have called us, you are with us, and you have a purpose for our lives, Lord. We, we just need you tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to Genesis 15. We're gonna go about 20 verses tonight. Um, if you're new around here, um, we're gonna read a little bit of scripture um, and then we're gonna talk a little bit. We're gonna read a little bit of scripture. We're gonna talk a little bit and, and we'll kind of just do that until the end. Uh, and so if you're with me, we're gonna pick up in verse one of Genesis 15. If you, by the way, if you don't own a Bible, if you're like, hey, I legitimately don't own a Bible, um, we have some Bibles in the back. You don't need to get those right now. You don't need to call yourself out. But uh, if, you wanna, if you wanna just like snag one of those on the way out, hey, that is our gift to you. If you're just like, man, I got a janky Bible. <laughs> okay, that's not, that's not for you. But uh, Genesis 15, verse one. I just wanna be honest with you. Uh, after, this, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Okay, so, so Abram's been called out of his old, uh, really, life. And, and, and basically, God showed up and was like, hey, follow me. And, and then he makes this promise. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram and the Lord don't go too far back, right? Like, they don't have this, like, long, deep relationship. And, and so Abram says, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So, so he's basically saying, hey, I don't even have a kid. I have nobody to give all the things you've given me. Um, and, and even my heir is just like a cousin in some other city, right? And so it says, and Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And, and, and listen to this part because this, this really matters. We, often we hear the promise, but, but listen to the response. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Like, like catch that, because I want to just like adjust your theology, because, because this is how I thought was like, in the Old Testament, God did something different to save people, but in the New Testament, you know, we've got Jesus, and, and I, I want to just adjust what you're thinking right now, if, if, if this, this will literally change the way you read the Old Testament. He believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Um, salvation in the Old Testament and in the New Testament works the same. Now, now, hear me out, because I know you're like, what about Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. We receive salvation by trusting the Lord and trusting in his promises about the future and following him as he works out our salvation. Hard stop. You receive salvation by trusting in the Lord in what he's done in Jesus, right? That ultimate once for all sacrifice on the cross where Jesus gave up his life for you and for me that we might know him and walk with him forever, right? God himself came for you and for me. We trust in his promises and look towards his future, right? And we follow him all the way home. 
And, and so that is how save, salvation works, right? And so in the Old Testament, right, it's still this, um, them following, trusting in the Lord uh, and, and trusting that this Messiah is coming, right? They, they count it as righteousness, right? And then in verse seven, it says, and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, oh, Lord God, another, like, this is a good question. How am I to know that I shall possess it, right? So he goes, how do I know I can trust you? Like you've said some really big things. How do I, how can I even believe you? And, and then I just want to like help you follow along. It's about to get weird. <laughs> uh, like this, this section of the scripture gets kind of crazy really fast. I would say this is one of the wildest sections of scripture, but it's also legitimately one of the most important like sections of scripture in the Bible. And it says this, and he said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon, which I guess he just like had on hand. Uh, and he <laughs> went to Aldi and he brought him all these, cut them in half, okay, and laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Cool. <laughs> Great. Love this. So God is literally like, hey, you're going to get some birds. You're going to get some, you know, some deer. Like, get, just bring it on. Whatever you got, like, bring it on. Like, cut it in half, you know, normal Tuesday. Uh, and, and so then, just so you're tracking, we're about to move from, like, animal sacrifice into, like, um, fever dream vision. It's going to get awesome. Uh, verse 12. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Anybody know what he's talking about? Egypt, yeah, right? Right, great movie, uh, Prince of Egypt, it's good, you know? There can be miracles if you believe. Uh, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go back to your fathers in peace. You will be buried in a good old age and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. God is revealing the story of Israel. He's also revealing the story of Abram or soon to be Abraham, right? And it says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, so, so it's, it's moved from getting dark to it becomes dark. Uh, time is kind of out of sync here, right? Um, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. Okay, so, so I know this is weird, but I'm asking you to imagine this, right? There's a bunch of um, animal carcasses kind of like in a line, right? And, and then right down the middle, they're cut in half. And then in the middle of it, there is this um, smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passing between the pieces, right? Is this weird? Absolutely. Okay, nobody's arguing that. This is a vision from the Lord. It's supposed to be a little different from what you would imagine, right? Um, and, and here's the image, is that, the presence of the Lord is passing between the sacrifice, okay? So, so he is walking through the middle of this sacrifice. And, and I know this is such a weird place to go right now, but, but here's what I want you to understand. To make a covenant, which is, which is kind of a treaty, right? Not a contract, but, but a treaty um, between two nations. Um, two kings would have done this, 
Okay, so they would have taken a bunch of animals, they would have made a bunch of sacrifices, they would have pushed them to either side, and then, and then here's what's different about um, the, the, the practice of the day, we'll say it that way, uh, is, is that the two kings would walk through the sacrificed animals together. And, and the picture was supposed to be, hey, if you um, violate our covenant, this is what's gonna happen to you. Right, this is, I'm gonna send my army, we're coming for you, baby. Like, we're gonna see that, see that dove over there, right? That's gonna be you. And, and, and the difference here is that Abram doesn't walk through in the covenant ritual, right? Who walks through? God. Isn't that interesting? And, and the, the, the point is that God is inviting him into this covenant where he says, hey, if you break your side of the covenant, the punishment what, what should happen to you is actually gonna happen to me. He's passing through these severed animal pieces and, and, and it's kind of confusing, right? But it says, on that day in verse 18, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Guys, if I mispronounced one, I'm just sorry. That's a lot. But, but, but here's, here's the point is God's gonna give him this land. And if he doesn't, or if Abram um, violates the treaty, right, the punishment will land on him. And, and while you may not know, right, um, exactly what the other covenants are, um, there are, like, there's the Abrahamic covenant, there's the, like, Noah's covenant, right, you, the rainbow, remember that one? Talked about it in children's school. It's really precious as all of humanity drowned. It's really cute, right? Great for kids. Um, Lots of, lots of covenants, but this one is really about the fact that ultimately God is going to pay the price for humanity's brokenness. And God is continually going to pour out blessing on his people. And, and, and before we get into family, here's what you gotta know. God invites us into the covenant. God invites you and me into this same covenant. And, and listen, don't... Uh, don't go get a bunch of animals, okay? Like if, if you go to a church and they're like, meet me with a goat in the lobby, you need to find a new church, okay? Uh, but but here's, here's the point, is that we also are invited into this covenant with the Lord where he takes our wickedness on himself, right? And, and ultimately blesses us anyways. Um, we broke our promises to God, our, even his commandments, his laws for thousands of years. And Jesus, um, God in the flesh, took on the consequences for our sin, right? You wanna know what the picture of this covenant looks like? It looks like Jesus. Like that's the fulfillment of what's happening here, right? So you have this picture of all of these slaughtered animals and God going, hey, this one's on me, guys. And then you have Jesus, God in the flesh, coming to fulfill this covenant and he invites us into this. And, and I just wanna be honest with you. You might have a lot of really beautiful ideas about how family's supposed to be. And you might have some like really deep desires and, and none of that happens until you enter into this covenant with Jesus. Like, you, look at me. Surely you've, you've watched the news enough to know like you can't fix humanity. Like you, you don't have it in you. And that's like top to bottom, you guys. Surely when you look at your family, you can go, ooh, I can't fix that. Like there's, there's brokenness in each of us, you guys. And, and we need to enter into this covenant because we want our family to be filled with hope. We want our kids to love Jesus and, and to live lives filled with purpose 
I want, I, want my, I want my kid to be brave and courageous because God is with him. And that can't happen in, unless I'm running after this thing, right? And, and here's the thing. Before any of that happens, before your community gets transformed from light to darkness, you've got to enter into this. And, and if you want to build this legacy of faithfulness in your family, you, everybody in this room has a legacy in their family. Man, somebody, um, like if you're, if you're to look at my like family history, right, there's a guy who shot a sheriff like a couple hundred years ago. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. Everybody in this room has a family legacy history that preceded you. And you get to, by following Jesus, change that legacy forever. You get to change it. And, and I just, I want you to see this really clearly. If, if, I'm, if I'm here at the creek, like if I don't, um, which Matt hasn't told me otherwise so far, uh, and, and I'm, I'm here and, and like my, my kid that we talked about earlier, man, he's, he's watching me and we crush it in ministry. We got a student ministry of a thousand, you know, people are getting baptized every week. Like everything's going right in the eyes of the world. But when I'm at home, man, I don't care. I don't read my Bible. I don't talk about God. I don't, I don't have any, like, any non-selfishness in my house. I don't serve or open up my house. If I don't um, serve outside of my literal paid position here at the church, or, or if I just, like, don't have deep conversations with people, then my kid watches that, and he sees the church be really successful, and he sees my family failing. What's he gonna think? I think he's gonna see another adult in his life living two separate lives. And I think he's gonna question which one is the right path. And, and ultimately, here's, here's the question. How do you enter into this covenant? How do you prioritize your faith in front of your family? Um, and, and we're gonna talk about priorities in a couple weeks. So I don't wanna steal from that, but, but I think it's worth asking, what does your time with the Lord look like? And how are you inviting your family into that? And look, look, I am so far from doing this well, you guys. So like, don't, please don't even hear this as, oh, you guys ought to, like, no, man. We, we together have to model for, our, for not just for our families, for our communities. What does your interaction with biblical community look like? And how are you engaging your family in that? Um, I'll, I'll just say it this way. There are lots of times where I see somebody try out a life group for the first time and go, well, that was awkward, so I'm definitely not going back. And like, we're probably not going to church again until Christmas, right? Like, I'm just being real. And, and listen, your kids are watching. Like they're, they're watching you do all these things and choose. How are you prioritizing the Lord with your time, money, and energy? And, and, and we're gonna be answering these questions over the next couple of weeks as we talk about family, but you, you've got to have a life-changing relationship with Jesus before you expect that to have an impact on your kids, your community, your spouse, all of those things. But Genesis 1, uh, 15, one through two says this, and these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in, 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 in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And, and here's, here's what I want you to see. He moves from this individual trust of, hey, I'm following Jesus. I'm entering into this covenant. I'm placing my life in your hands, God, to really inviting us to trust God with our families. And, and arguably, like that is one of the most precious things in our lives. Is, is the ones that we love, right? And he ends with this huge promise of, hey, just look to the stars. Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. 
Abram is invited to trust God with his actual family. Like not even the ones he can see, you guys. God is going, hey, you, you wanna talk generations? You wanna talk about this next level, your grandkids and your grandkids and their great grandkids. And, and he's going, look at the stars. That's what that's gonna be like, right? And God invites Abram to trust him. And, and I just think that's difficult. I think it's difficult, especially when we talked about like the practicality of trusting God with our families. Um, because I think it's easy to go, yeah, I mean, like, I trust God. But, but what does it look like um, to actually trust God? The problem is there's a bunch of unknowns. Like when you think about Abram, he doesn't know what the future holds, right? He has this like tiny vision of what it could look like, but there's so much right in front of him that he sees and so much that he doesn't see. And that's true of all of us. When I, when I think about um, my kid, right? We have, I have no idea what he's gonna end up like, where he's gonna go to school, if he goes to school, right? Like there's so many questions. We have no idea when our closest friends, we're talking about our community, right? We'll, we'll get called to a dream job in another state. Uh, we have no idea when their marriages, I mean, I don't want this obviously, but we'll, we'll potentially fall apart or run into problems. We, we don't know. We don't know even the like health things in front of us. We think we do. We think we're like pounding kale and hitting the gym, CrossFit, whatever. That, but we don't know, right? God, God doesn't control those things. And and so when we think about those unknowns, um, there are two ditches we can fall into as we think about trusting God with our families. And, and the first um, is is the one that that I have fallen into most often, and and it is laziness. Um, when it comes to trusting God with your family, um, it is laziness that you can fall into sometimes. And, and I don't mean that in a weird way, but, but here's, here's what I mean. It's not that you are not doing things. It's not that you're not busy, right? It's that you're not intentional with your family, right? Because, man, I, I've seen so many of our families, mine included, run from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing and look up and realize, hey, we haven't had a conversation in like three weeks. Uh, and, and instead of... Um, instead of pouring into my family, instead of giving them direction, instead of talking about what we value as a family, pointing them to the Lord, I kind of just end up working so hard at everything else and not working on my family. And and man, this is a ditch, right? Um, Because the problem isn't that it isn't easier. It can be for a season. It ultimately ends up way harder if if you don't act. But it creates confusion in your family because nobody knows what matters. It creates exhaustion because you're just gonna say, if nobody's guiding the ship, listen, you're gonna say yes to everything. And the world will give you a bajillion things to do. And you'll wake up on the other side of your kids graduating high school and go, what happened? Or you'll wake up on the other side of 10 years with your spouse and go, when's the last time we went to dinner? When's the last time we actually had a conversation? And this laziness, this coasting, man, it will ultimately wreck your relationships. Um, the, the other side, the, the other ditch is the exact opposite. It's control. It's you white-knuckling life. It's you trying to change people. <laughs> and, and the problem is that sometimes it works. Like, some, like, like, let's be honest. When I try to control things and I white knuckle, so me and Elliot are in the store a couple weeks ago. We're hanging out and he is losing his mind. And I turn, not that you've ever done this, and I just, uh, everything but scream at him, right, in the store. And I get my dad voice out and I'm like, buddy. And, and I'm just, 
and it worked. And the problem is that if that's like the way that I live my life with my son, it's not gonna create a relationship. It's gonna create fear. It's gonna create problems. And, and it's selfish, right? That had nothing to do with actually correcting him and had everything to do with me wanting to be seen in a certain light, right? Like I have a kid who has it together, which is so dumb. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Um, you, man, driving, trying to control your family, trying to control your community, trying to make sure everything looks awesome right out in public, um, it, just, it just backfires in the long run. And the truth is, um, the, the, the place between laziness and control is actually just stewardship. The place between laziness and control is stewardship. Stewardship, here's, here's all that means. It's a fancy word, theology, whatever. Uh, it's, it's recognizing that what we have, community, family, kids, look, church family, all of that is a gift from God. It is an absolute gift. And, and so you do what you can to shape it along the way, right? So Adam and Eve, they get put in a garden and God goes, hey, make this thing better, right? Tend to it, right? Keep the snakes out. That didn't work so well. But, but it, right, like keep, the, keep, keep everything running. Like he's put us over as stewards over the earth. He's also put you over as a steward of your, of your community, of your, of your church family, right? All of the one another's in the Bible are us living out this calling to stewardship over, over your family, right? And, and so, man, um, when I was in high school, I had a small group leader. Uh, his name was Justin Markentel. And I gotta tell you about high school Alec Jacks. He was awful. It was so bad, like selfish, uh, doing all kinds of just terrible things. I gotta be real with you. Like nothing, well, I can't even say nothing illegal, right? But, but it was bad. And, and this guy, Justin Markentel, who's the nicest guy, he lives in East Texas, he's a pastor now. He was just a small group leader, man. And he, he would just relentlessly invite me to Chili's. And, and Chili's ain't even that good. Like it wasn't, you know what I mean? But he, he just pursued me and ran after me, and I was a hot mess the whole way. And, and he didn't judge me, and he didn't, man, condemn me. He'd just bring me to dinner, and he'd ask me questions about my life, and he'd walk with me, and he'd tell me how awesome God is, and he'd tell me what God is doing in his family's life. And, and listen, if you were to just judge my walk in, with Jesus from my high school years, you'd be like, that dude failed. And I got to call him a couple years later and go, hey, listen, man. I'm in ministry. Thank you. Like, how, you, you did this. And, and like, yes, of course the Lord did it through him, okay? But, but man, he got to be involved in that. And, and this is what he did. He didn't, he didn't control me and he wasn't lazy with me. He, he was intentional with me. He met with me. He made space for me. And he was generous with me. Not careless, but generous, right? And, and, and this is what God has called us into. When we look at the story of Abram, right, he's invited to the story of, of trusting God with the future, with his family. And, and then here's, here's just the beautiful thing for our church family. Um, God invites us to make an impact in the generations behind us. Genesis 15, right, five through six. Look toward heaven, number the stars if you're able to number them. So shall your offspring be. And then at the end of the passage, right, he talks about, and they're gonna have the land from these guys and these guys and these, and it's gonna be awesome. And it's just gonna be this extensive place. And 
And there's this picture in scripture, look, over and over and over and over again of older men and women grabbing a hold of younger generations and pouring into them. And I know you're like, what well, doesn't say that in scripture? Look at, look at Paul and Timothy. Um, look, at, look at the early church in Acts where they're just gathering with one another. Then look at, just be honest, Jesus and the disciples. Like those guys were uh, between probably 13 and 30, right? That younger generation. Um, dozen, dozen places it could have gone. I'm gonna read one in Titus. Um, and, and here it is. Um, Titus 2 says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slave to much wine. Okay, just roll with me. Here's, here's the next part. They're to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. The younger men when it's shorter. There are other passages I could have gone to, but it just says, likewise, urge the younger men to be controlled, self-controlled. I don't know what's going on, but like, you know, they needed a reminder. And, and, and here's the deal. Like, like I talked to my grandma um, and she got really badly burned by the church. Um, she's a pastor's kid, a whole lot of mess there. And she will look me in the eyes and say, I've already done my part. And the, the Bible just doesn't say that. Like I, I just want you to hear this as clearly as I know how to say it. Um, and there are a dozen scriptures we could go to. You are called to love and serve the next generation. And look, I know we live in a culture where it's super easy to look at the next generation and go, how ridiculous. Look, I heard, I'm a millennial, you guys. I was target practice for years. And, and I get it. And I catch myself, y'all, being on TikTok, looking at Gen Z and being like, oh, here we go. And, and that's terrible because the next generation needs Jesus. And, and I'm not just talking about like kids. I'm talking, look, our nurseries are full of kids. Like if you just think about the phase kids are in, full of kids who need a trusted adult to hold them and convince them that they're loved. Our kids' ministries are full of kids who need a trusted adult to hold their hand and point them to Jesus as they're learning what God is like. Our student ministries are full of kids who are hurting and making mistakes and learning and growing and just need somebody to guide them through what could be the hardest years of their lives. There are young adults, like, like literally in our church right now, we'll call that 18 to 30. And, and listen, if you would just go over to them and say, hey, I'd love to buy you coffee. First off, they'd go, free coffee, let's go. And second, they would love that. You, you don't understand how much of a need there is for older generations to be community for younger people. Absolutely. And, and, and so, man, I just wanna encourage you. Do you want the next generation to love Jesus or do you want them to flail into life and hopefully find their way? And some of you, man, I know it. Like you're going, ah, oh, I, I, you know, that's what I had to do. It doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> like you can be a part of the solution. And so I just wanna invite you into this. Um, if you are here and God is pressing on your heart, look, the, the easiest thing in the world is to get fired up from a sermon and, and go out and be like, yeah, we should do something. The hardest thing in the world and the most beautiful, brave thing that you could possibly do is have a conversation right after the service about where you wanna get plugged in. And I'm not pushing for volunteers. Look, God's gonna provide I just think you're missing out. 
You're, you're missing out on this opportunity to serve the next generation. And, and so listen, beyond that though, just to bring it back home, that calling starts with your family. And if you come to me and you go, hey, I'm called to student ministry, the first question I'm gonna ask is, hey, tell me about your home life. Like, tell me how you're serving and leading your family. Like, what's that look like? And, and in fact, um, I would say God is calling you there first and primarily. And, and so if you're hearing, look, <laughs> would love for you to come volunteer. But, but honestly, you, you need to be serving and thinking about like, what does it look like to serve my family? I am not a sports guy, okay? You probably figured that out by now. I often talk about Lord of the Rings, talk about Harry Potter, uh, like all of those things. Like, yes, okay, the glasses are exactly where they need to be. And, um, but I, w- I was listening to this podcast. It was just about Kobe Bryant and, um, right, amazing athlete. Uh, if you've read anything about him, one of the most just driven, insane people on the planet, right? black mamba energy, um, ridiculous work ethic, um, the saint of, of throwing paper at trash cans. Uh, but, but honestly, um, there, there are some things that I learned about him um, listening to this that were just really cool. First, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it's just that he went on after his basketball career and wrote a bunch of fantasy novels about basketball set in magic worlds. It's a whole thing. Again, spend like 20 minutes on Google. Have a great night. But the other thing um, is that I didn't, I, didn't realize, um, I didn't realize how much of a family man he was. Like it's, it's kind of like, it's really crazy. And it, it wasn't at the beginning of his career, right? Like there's some messy stuff on the front end. Uh, but, but later in life, I mean, he really became this guy who was super concerned about his family. And, and a journalist um, called him at, at one point and said, hey, can I, can I have 20 minutes with you? I wanna talk about your new book coming out. Um, and, and his response was, hey, I, I can't right now. I'm, I'm heads down focused on my girls right now. And, and he didn't know right? Like he, he didn't know he only had seven days of life left. And, and like, I don't, here's that in the right way. I don't mean like, and look at you, like watch out. Here's what I mean. You have a, a very limited amount of time to make an impact. And I don't even mean like your life is short or fleeting. I mean, we live in such a transient world right now where people are moving all over, man, where families are in and out of this church. Listen, the church we have today looks very different from the church that we had three years ago. The church that we have today looks very different from the church that we had six months ago. You have a limited amount of time to make an impact. And when you think about your kids, your family, you have a limited amount of time where you have this like immediate right in front of me impact. Now listen, I'm gonna be connected to my son, my wife, like for the rest of their days, hopefully longer, right? Like I'm shooting for 115, but, but honestly, we don't know. And God has given us this, this one moment where we get to see things so clearly right in front of us, where we get to decide how I'm going to make an impact in their lives. And so I think it's just worth asking the question as you consider man, this calling on your life, where is God calling you to make an impact in families? Is it, is it in your family? Is it starting with your family tonight? Maybe you just need to walk out of here. You need to have a conversation with your spouse, with your kids, maybe apologize for some things and then go, hey, this is how we're moving forward. Is it in your, uh, is it in a ministry at the church? Honestly, like even as we're talking, are you going, yes, like I wanna, I'm ready to get plugged in and actually serve. Is it in a ministry outside of the church? Love that. Hey, I want to support you. If you're like, I have this weird calling. I just feel like the Lord wants me to do this thing, but I don't know where that exists. 
Talk to us. We, we know somebody. We'd love to get you connected somewhere, right? Uh, is it in your workplace? Have you been um, just convicted lately about, man, how you've been treating your work, how you've been treating the people at your work, and God's calling you to make an impact there differently? Is it in your relationships? And the real question is, what will you do about that? What will you do to move forward on what God has called you into? Let me pray for you. God, we love you, and we are so grateful. Um, Lord, just, just for, honestly, how you have impacted our lives and how you've um, led us into this life of a covenant where you have given us your life. You took death on yourself and you invited us into following you, which is where we find life. And tonight, God, as, as we pray about, think about the impact that we're having in our family, the impact, the future that we get to trust you with. God, would you just be really clear in each of our hearts about what you've called us to? And then Lord, would you just give us courage, not, not because we're smart or good or awesome, but because you are all of those things and you have a perfect plan and a purpose for our lives and help us to just boldly walk out of here and follow you. We love you and we need you so much. It's in your name we pray, amen.